Hello and welcome to Mikey Pod Podcast, episode 284 for December 23rd, 2019. Today's guest is Kim Katzberg. She's an award-winning queer theater artist who's been creating genre-bending solo work since 2010, including her latest piece, Dad in a Box, which I was privileged to catch a video performance of her performance of it we'll talk all about the show and how there's going to be an updated version of it coming up soon in new york city and we're talking about so much stuff in this episode i can't wait like i've been having a lot of these episodes that i'm like or these interviews i'm like oh come on i'm ready to share this uh so this is another good one oh by the way i'm your host michael heron my pronouns are he him and i'm a composer pianist electronic musician storyteller and activist based in new york city on this podcast, I have conversations with fellow creators who use their creativity to change the world. I've been sending this podcast to your ears for 14 years. If you like what you hear, subscribe using the colorful buttons in the sidebar and footer at MikeyPod.com or just search MikeyPod in your favorite podcast directory. If you'd like to know more about me, stop by my website at MichaelHeron.com. Hit me up on social media everywhere as at MichaelHeron or you can email MikeyPod at gmail.com. Hello, welcome to the show. I'm not kidding about this interview. It's going to be really good. Ugh. Ah, it was great. Uh, there was a lot. We, we resonated on a lot of things. And I realized as I was watching the show and starting to put things together, I was like, wait a minute. I know her. So we've actually met in person and we have some similar things. You'll hear all about that uh, in the podcast. So yay. I'm so glad to have another exciting episode for you guys this week. I want to just throw out my typical, here's what's going on in Michael Heron land. If you want to skip ahead, feel free. But I don't think you're going to want to. There's some interesting stuff going on here, too. Uh, A couple weeks ago, I had a show at Judson Memorial Church. It's my now regular show at Judson Church, which feels so nice that I have this show. It's called The Benevolent People's Hour of Story and Song. I have special guests. I perform new work. They perform new work. We have singing. There's food, free vegan food. Um, It was great. We raised $226 for Judson Arts. We fed a bunch of people. The next one is March 11th. I'm so happy. It was great. Come to the next one. Uh, if you're a patron, you'll hear audio of this. I guess this will take me to my next topic. Well, yeah, I've got a couple of new patron topics. Um, I have two new patrons this week. Welcome, Judy and Donna. I'm so appreciative that you're here. And um, you're, if you're a patron, you get bonus episodes of this podcast. I have one in the banks, one that's coming up with Kim, and then another one I want to share the audio recording of my show at Judson. So I'm going to try to spread them out a little bit, but I want to get out from under some of this content so I can start the new year fresh. I told you last week I've cleared off my schedule, I've cleared out some energy, and um, I'm ready to hit the ground running in 2020. I'd really like to knock some of this stuff out so one of the things that's going to happen patrons hope this says i hope you appreciate this and it's not intrusive but i'm probably going to put up about three bonus episodes of the podcast in the next couple of weeks so i can get those wrapped up (laughs) and um there's a couple of youtube things that i've got footage for a cover i recorded um i filmed this guy in my neighborhood that feeds pigeons and he trains them sort of he, it was a real interesting thing I, I well i guess you guys can tell me when you watch it how animal friendly it really is uh, that's been one of my hesitations about it but that's that's uh what it is and uh oh zines i made some new zines with uh luke curtis at bd studios this is the fifth in my series of zines they're a little little magazines that have a story this one has actually a 
series of poems in it and um, a download. It's a little secret link inside each zine. So those are going out to my patrons. Also, patrons, you guys are getting a lot of stuff this week. And uh, yeah, I think that's all my stuff. Yeah, more coming in the new year. This, this, I want to churn out this last, uh, you know, I've had these things on the back burner that have been keeping me from doing new stuff because I'm like, oh, I got to finish this and let's come on, let's go. Got to move it. <laughs> so that's what we're going to do. Um, that's everything. I told you everything I wanted to tell you. That's great um, because I did it quick. Let's see how, how long that took. Oh, that is great. I think this beginning check-in thing should be around five minutes long and it's just a little under five minutes right now. I'm going to tell you about this song we're going to listen to. It's called Put the Lights on the Tree from Sufjan Stevens. He has a ton of Christmas music, and this is one of the great ones. Um, oh, happy holidays, by the way. And um, yeah, after this, we'll have our interview with Kim. Oh, I feel like I just knocked that all right out. I hope you enjoy the shortness and the coming up song. And I'm now talking too much. Here's Sufjan Stevens. Joining me now on the podcast is Kim Katzberg, um, who is a solo performer, and I just watched this morning <laughs> uh, Dad in a Box, which is her latest show. It's going to be up on January 5th at uh, The Wild Project um, here in New York City. Hello. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thanks. So good to be here. Yay. So I just watched the show. It's kind of fun to do that. It's, it's, is this early for you? We're talking at about 9, 9 a.m. Is that... Super early for you. Do you typically wake up? Oh, just... My hair is wet and um, <laughs> my contact lenses feel dry. I had a late rehearsal last night with Raquel. And so I was drinking uh, caffeinated tea because I'm such a coffee and caffeine addict. So I'm like, I was wired last night. So uh, yeah. Uh, so I love, we know like Raquel is a friend of mine and she's also been on the podcast and like we teach well you teach officially at the a Montessori school that I do like a weekend to get so we have a lot in common that like slowly unfolded for me today but let's talk about your show okay can, can you talk about just tell us what uh, dad in the box is 
Yes, it's um, it's about my relationship with my father and his sudden death. Um, in 2017, I actually got a grant from the school that I work at, Brooklyn Heights Montessori School, to do a travel grant. And I said, okay, I'll go to Second City in Chicago and take an immersive improv uh, and sketch writing class. And then three weeks into it, I got a call from my dad and we have a troubled relationship and we're kind of estranged. And he was like, I need to talk to you. And it was like really scary because we don't talk very much. And then he just, and then I called him on my brain class and he was like, um, I have pancreatic cancer and I'm dying. And it was just like so crazy. And I was like, okay, I have to just like, drop everything and kind of let go of all the intense, like, baggage between us and just go there and show up for him. Um, and so it's also, it's a comedy. (laughs) 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 It's like this, it's me kind of inappropriately dealing with his death through the lens of like being an improv class. And it's, um, you know, so it's showing these kind of like videos of me making work about death. So, I, we have another thing in common. Like I, my first solo show happened because I lost my mom and there was this whole experience of like, it woke me up in a way to like, oh shit, I got to be creative now. Like, <laughs> I don't know how to explain that, but I guess one of the things that just sort of like popped up for me when you were saying, I, I think you said um, inappropriately dealing with death or telling the story of death, but like uh, having gone through a similar experience, is there an appropriate way? Like, I don't know. And I think that's kind of what your show asks, right? Yeah. I mean, I think that it's risky in that um, it is irreverent and it's also not kind of being like, oh my God, you know, we had such a hard time, but I still love you and I'll, I miss you. Like, it's kind of just like a, a little bit of like a fuck you in a way Mm -hmm. um, in that I'm not, I, I still have issues and it's, it's, um, I guess I'm not like, I'm not doing it in the normal way. And it's scary. Like, I kind of feel like he's looking at me from above and like, going to like strike me down a little bit with the show because it is, um, kind of talking about the shit that I kind of hated in some ways about him. But that's the thing that's so fun. Like, Oh, I, I love like I feel like we're good. this is gonna be like half podcast, half therapy session. Um, <laughs> but you know, like that is it's okay. Like it's okay to have these fucked up relationships with people who are imperfect and still love them and still show up for them and still like not want to and do it anyway. Like, yeah, it's true. And you know, I when my mother died when I was twenty four, I had a. <laughs> a troubled relationship with her too. And I didn't show up for her. And I had intense guilt and regret because of that. Mm -hmm. And I, and I went through this like basically, basically breakdown because of the intensity of not showing up for her. And I learned from that. And so this time around, I was like, I'm showing up for him. I'm going to like put it all aside and I'm going to let him die with dignity and be his daughter and be like, I love you. And I'm here. And, and like, fuck all the the baggage like i you know i'm i'm just here for you and so i learned from from the mistake i made with my mom essentially you portrayed your dad in an honest way in the show which in some ways i mean even though you were saying it felt like he might be like looking down and like what are you doing but there are like I, i'm 
it seemed like your other family members, like your brother and your sister, are still living. What's that like? Like telling those stories and that, like their sort of intimate portrayals with them still being alive. Yeah, it's like I portray them in a way that's if they saw the show, they would. I feel I have this fear that my sister, I'm estranged from her, and she's going to show up to one of my shows, like, and I'm not going to know it, and she's going to stand up in the audience and like kind of (laughs) make this scene and we're going to have this intense like interaction. Like I have a fear. I've had nightmares about that. And, you know, my brother and I are, are trying to work on our relationship, but I also fear the same with him. Like it's scary, but it's like, I have to make this work and I, you probably can relate, you know, it's like, if it's not honest, it's not good, you know? Yeah. (laughs) But, and it's such a, like a weird thing. I've no like, I refer to myself. I don't want to refer to you as this as like an oversharer. Like I tell yes. stories, and on always been on the internet. Like here's a big fucking thing that's going on that no one's not really anyone's business, but I'm gonna tell you anyway. Um, yeah. But like the guy that I'm dating right now is the opposite of that, and it made me really realize like, oh shit, I am very open in a way, like telling these stories on stage and that type of thing. What what is that about? For you, like I may forgive me if I overstated how you are. <laughs> no, I totally. I'm. I'm exactly that. I mean, yeah. It's um, you know, I grew up in a household where it was not safe to express yourself or um, talk about what was really going on, and so I think in reaction to that, I've I like have to do that in order to stay sane mm-hmm. because there was so much repression um, and fear around being yourself and expressing what was really going on. And so my whole life in order to not basically go crazy and go into a mental hospital, I've had to like work on communicating, um, and being honest. And, um, and so I think that's where that comes from. And although I'll have like a vulnerability hangover sometimes, um, Mm. from oversharing, like, um, it's, I feel like it's um, it's helped me more than it's hurt me in some ways. Yeah, that I I had never really thought about a vulnerability hangover, but I kind of get it. Like it sounds like it's been healing for you with your theater work to tell your story so openly. Like, is there more to that? Yeah, like all of my shows are like semi autobiographical. I also like heighten them, and I they're characters, so I bring in like kind of fantasy characters and characters that are like, you know, from my unconscious. And so there's an element of like, but they always are come from a place of like deep kind of honesty. And, uh, what was the question? I don't know. I think that that it was just, I guess the question in there was like, is it healing for you? And it sounds like it is. It is. It's like funny because when I'm doing it, it's just like, okay, I'm just doing it. And it feels separate from me in a way. And I'm like, you know, it's like, okay, whatever, you know, it's like the mundanity of just like, rehearsing in in some ways and making art like you just show up and you do it and it's kind of like a nine to five but then usually within the process I always have kind of like an a crisis or an actor's crisis as like Anne Bogart would say where it goes it gets intense and I'm like okay this is this is um real and this is me working through some stuff and then later I'll generally feel like I've grown from it somehow Mm -hmm. I'm like Okay, yeah, I've I I grew from that, you know. Yeah. But 
Yeah. But when I'm like in the process, I'm not like thinking about that or like aware of it so much. I'm just like doing it. And, um, so it, in some ways, like it makes it a bigger deal because I, I think I'm kind of working this out for myself right now. I start talking. It makes it a bigger deal in one way because you're making a show about this experience. But in that way, it makes it more of like just this thing I do, like somehow. Do you know, like, I don't know if that fits for you, but. Yeah, um, it is. And um I, yeah, it's like funny because I went to graduate school and I studied acting, you know, I got my MFA in acting and it was just like, it was a very kind of like all the people in my class were kind of traditional actors and, um, and I always was like feeling kind of alone. And then when I graduated, I was like, okay, I just, I'm, I got to make my own work. And it, it felt like so core and it just kind of like was pouring out of me. And I was like, okay, this is, there's something here that's really, um, almost like primal about needing to tell my story. And I think it's growing up in a, you know, a dysfunctional household. I know that's cliche at this point, but like it was a hard childhood, you know? And so I just, I have to work through it because otherwise I'm going to be a crazy person. (laughs) And, um, it's just like, it's just part of, um, being a human in the world and being able to like move through the world in a way that's like sane, I guess. Did you say an actor's crisis or like, uh, yeah. Ann Bogart used to talk about this thing called the actor's crisis and in every process in create, like creative process, making a play, you know, there's a moment where you're like, Oh my God, this is going to fail or this is going to bomb. Or this is like, can't do this. It's impossible. Like how, how is, how am I going to do this? And in every process, it's like, there's this painful part where it's just like, Oh my God, I feel like this is going to kill me, you know? And then I feel like I always make it through and then it's like, okay. But if you don't have that, there's something about that. It's not honest enough or it's not, you're not being vulnerable enough or something. I'm really familiar with that. and I didn't know it was an actual thing. (laughs) Like what? Like, cause I think of it as like in this, I'll go in this period of like, and it happens on a smaller scale with smaller projects. Mm -hmm. But like when I'm doing like a solo show, like Mm. there's that moment of like, I think of it and it goes in my head, even though I know it's happening, it feels so real. I'm like, I'm making a show about me starring me and like begging people to come see me talk about me. Like, who do I think I am? And like, why am I doing this? Why can't I just have the kind of life where I just watch TV all the time? Like, you know, it just goes crazy. Like, and then as a solo performer, you have a director, um, but it's pretty solitary. And that's a thing that I haven't been able to really like communicate to the people in my life. And so I just sort of feel like I'm flailing out there, like, you know, in this fucked up thing and then the show happens I'm like oh that was great I'm so glad I can't wait to do it again do you have you figured out a way to move through that gracefully oh that's yeah I I've gotten I'm learning how to not go into a k-hole basically every time (laughs) yeah (laughs) you know but it's it's like with every show I'm like okay this is I always set out like a goal. I'm like, it's not, I'm not going to do that this time. Like I'm, I'm not doing that. You know, like I don't need to go into a K hole. Like literally like before I go on stage, I'm like, I feel like it's so intensely awful inside. What am I doing? This is crazy. I hate this. This is so 
what a nightmare. Mm. You know, why, why do I do this? And then I get out there. I'm like, wow, I have to do this. It's just this really intense, like these extremes. But I think that as I'm getting healthier, like, you know, as a person, like it's, it's lessening a little bit and I'm able to kind of have perspective and just be like, I don't need to do that every time, you know, for it to be a good performance. Uh, I'm, I'll be practicing that. <laughs> no, but that's, I mean, it's easy to say like, but it's, it's usually, it happens at some point. I think I just, I'm able to come out of it a little quicker, whereas it used to last for like the entire process. But now yeah. it's like, I have, I also have like moments where it just feels like good and like happy and I, I guess that um, as I'm thinking about it, I'm like, yeah, I am sort of learning that in just different ways. And I think you mentioned in the show a lot, which I think is kind of an interesting topic too. There's this kind of, especially toward the beginning of the show, you refer to the idea of like, don't freeze up, don't dissociate type of thing, which I also do and separate mm-hmm. myself. And then, so the times that I don't do that, it's like, what the fuck? This is going to kill me, like being connected. But it's really interesting to, to know that you have that tendency and the tendency to be so open on mm. stage. How is that safer for you? Or, or is it? Yeah. I mean, I, part of this show, the reason why it's scary for me and I feel like I'm pushing myself in this show in a way that's beyond what I've done before is that I'm playing myself and I've always found a lot of freedom within characters and like the container of playing a character and all my other shows, I've always just been in a character. Um, but this time I was like, um, my mentor was like, what if you played yourself? Like, you, you know, and I was just like, no, 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 I'm not net. Fuck that. Like, I think that's so boring. I hate it when people just stand up there and they're themselves like, <laughs> like, no, it's I'm flat. I'm boring. And like, uh, no, you know? And then I was like, I, I was like, I was like thinking about, I was just like, huh, I'm very scared to do that, you know? And Mm. I know that like, you know, that's where the kind of the cheese is, is like what you're scared of. And I was like, "Hmm, maybe I could just try and see what it's like. And I was like, I'm still playing characters, you know? So I, cause I love, you know, characters. So then I like videotape myself like doing that. And I was like, oh, it's actually interesting to see, myself like being being just you know like my natural self and then going into character Uh, it sounds like the way that it felt safe to sort of explore these things was within the context of a character but now you're kind of like letting yourself be yourself more yeah like it's my first show penetrating the space was about feeling very fragmented and like super yes fragmented and it's like now i'm like starting to integrate myself in a way where the characters are less kind of over the top and more um, like real and subtle. Um, And it's because I'm more integrated as a person. And I think that's also why I'm able to play myself because, you know, I'm more of a whole person as opposed to like these fragmented like extremes. (laughs) So there's a part in the show where you sort of open up to your father, like right when you go to see him, you and your brother have gone, you open up and talk to your dad about what he meant to you in a really beautiful way. And then your your character of your brother like seals off in this, I, I don't know if it, this is even a question, but I found it really powerful seeing that sort of family dynamic within a, cri- a crisis moment, you know, like someone's dying. Yeah. I mean, I think it's funny because 
I see, I saw myself, my brother is so together. Um, and we haven't been close, but when my dad was dying, we like came together and we were, um, I was driving with him to Clinton, South Carolina, which is where my dad, um, lived. And he was just like, he's like in real estate, he's got money. He was just like, he just was seeming so together. I was like, wow, he's like perfect. <laughs> he's How did he get through this family? Like without, you know, issues, like how did he do it? Like, he's just, he's, he's different. He made it, you know, he made it. And then, um, we got there and, you know, I just, it was just like organic, but I just kind of came rushing out of me, like how much I loved my dad. And it felt like old times when I used to really, when we used to just have good times together before I was questioning everything about our relationship. And it was funny cause I looked over at my brother and he literally, I thought like, Oh, he's, he's so together, you know? And he looked so shut down and terrified. It was just this moment of like, wow, he has the same thing I have, which is that he gets frozen too. And we are, we come from the same family and he, he, he has that too. Like, it's not just me. Mm. And that's what that moment's about of like, this realization that like he, he was affected too by the, by the trauma, you know? Yeah. I, I related to, to, um, I love, I just, I'm laughing cause I keep having these, like, I got to take this to therapy moments. Um, <laughs> when like the idea of, are you, are you a middle child too? Yes. Yes. Oh yay. Me too. <laughs> like, I don't even know what that, what that exactly means, but I started realizing, like, oh, yeah, I'm like that. Wait, does this have to do? You know, because I have that, and being the, like, artist sort of weird sibling, quote, unquote, I guess I should say, I assume that I'm the one fucking it up, right? Like, I'm the one that's screwing up. So when you have those moments of, like, oh, wait, the sibling that seems to have it all together, oh, they got they got some shit going on too. Like, I think that's what kind of clicked with me too. Like that moment of like, Oh, it's so like, and maybe I just needed this in my moment, this for where I'm at in my life. But it was like, Oh, it's okay to be this, like this thing I'm doing. Like, and like, you know, like I'm real quick to focus on some of the stuff that you talked about, like um, having some difficulties with being responsible with money and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I let that define me in a way. And then sometimes it shifts and you realize like, oh, I just have a different basket of shit that I use to deal with things. And it's not better or worse, but I got it. Yeah, let's. Yeah. So that was great. That was really good for me to see, too. Yeah, it's interesting because we got me and my brother, we kind of had this connection when my dad was dying and we both opened up to each other and we connected in a way that we hadn't ever in our lives because it was such a, you know, how death does that with people. It like brings them to, or can bring them together. Um, but then since then it's been like fading away and it's been hard between us. And I keep wanting to recapture what we shared in those kind of weeks when he was going downhill and it's like, Oh yeah, no, it goes back to normal. My brother's just, you know, back to his alcoholism and, Mm. you know, and, um, and, uh, it's just, it can't mean it can't, you can't sustain that level of like, you know, vulnerability and connection. And so 
it's it's sad. It's sad and one of those strange paradoxes with that type of situation, I think about when I was losing my mom, it's so similar. Like the siblings came together and my mom, she was in hospice at home. Mm. Um, and there's a certain, there's a cat going wild outside. Did you just hear that? I thought it was your cat. I have cats too. <laughs> my cat is being surprisingly chill. Like he <laughs> likes to run around usually when I'm doing interviews, but not today. Um, it was outside. <laughs> it's a cat like outside. Anyway, I'm glad we had that moment. Um, but sometimes I find myself thinking fondly about that period of time, mm. which is such a dark mm. time, which maybe does that sound familiar or feel familiar to you? Something about being able to cry and feel in this deep way that I, you know, cause I'm shut down a lot, like in my life and I feel like he is too. And so we were able to like, we cried together, which was like, whoa. And there's something that feels really good about that, even though it's also hard and painful, but it's like, it feels better to me to cry than to be shut down. And those moments of like being really like, Oh, I'm doing it. Like I'm alive and I'm the, I'm having relationships with people mm-hmm. like right now. And there's no, there's no denying that you care because mm. it's so huge. Yeah. It just, it's such a huge thing. Mm-hmm. It like, it forces you to kind of feel and go there. In a way that like, you know, in everyday life, you're just kind of like going through your day and it's like, it's all buried. Yeah. Woo. This. <laughs> when I was, wa- I literally was crying, crying in the beginning of your show when I was watching it this morning because it just felt so familiar. And, and I think that maybe that's because I'm sort of like, we should sort of head toward the end. And this is, I think, a great thought for the end. Like, why, why, why do you do this? Like what? Maybe, maybe that's a question, but I should just not talk too much and let you do it. Yeah. I, you know, I've thought about that a lot. And, um, you know, I think that I fake it in the world that I'm like a normal person that I, you know, can do like normal functioning things, but inside I'm, I'm always, I guess, I have like a lot going on underneath, I guess. And it's hard to go through life and just have to keep that under wraps. And I feel Mm -hmm. like with making my own work, I'm able to express this stuff that's underneath all the time that there aren't really spaces in the world to express those things. But in theater, you know, on stage, it's like you get to express all that stuff and those stories and um, those feelings. And it's such a relief and I feel so alive when I'm able to express the deeper stuff inside. And I feel like growing up was the same thing in our house. It was like not safe at all to feel. And so that stuff has been building up over the years. I think that's why it's extra intense for me is like, um, because it's been repressed for all these years. And then it's like, Oh my God, it feels so amazing to like get that out. And it feels like this is really who I am you know, and I feel, um, so present in a way that I don't feel like in everyday life. And I think that's why I need to do it. There are a couple of things I want to ask you, but I'm going to save it for our, like, our, like bonus podcast for Patreon. Um, and I think I like to do more like sort of intimate feeling things there. Cause it's a little, it's, it's a safer space, you know, like it's like just the people I that are really into it. Space. Yeah. I it's a safe. I mean, I feel safe to me. I can't make any promises. Like, 
<laughs> but so let's um, one last time. Tell me the details about the show. The show is called Dad in a Box. Um, it's on Sunday, January 5th at 7 p.m. at Wild Project in the East Village, New York City. I'm really I'm thrilled to be performing this piece. And in fact, I had a run it here about a year ago. And so there's been some rewrites and I've been deepening things and I feel that I'm going to go for it even more than I ever mm. have this performance in a way that feels really exciting. So, Oh, so the, so the show I saw was recorded at here. So mm-hmm. what you're doing now is, so if someone is listening and saw it at here, you should still come and see it again. Cause there's going to be some new stuff. Oh yeah. There's some fun, exciting, disturbing, <laughs> dangerous <laughs> new stuff because I'm like, I realized like I was just scratching the surface in that mm. other show because it's, I mean, you, it's just, you know, it, it, the, the subject is so intense and as a performer, I was scratching the surface as a writer in a way. So this is like going in deep and dirty and ugly uh, and yeah. That's just my style of show. I, I love it. I'll, I'll make a point of being there too. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Oh, your website? KimKatzberg.com. So if you're listening, go to MikeyPod.com. Um, if you can't remember names or links, and I'll put links to social media and all that kind of stuff. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much, Michael. It was it was a pleasure.
That was Hockey from Jane Sibri. That's from her 1989 album, Bound by the Beauty. Oh, I'm a huge Jane Sibri fan, and that is one of my favorites. And it feels real wintry, right? I mean, <laughs> that's kind of silly. It's about playing hockey in the winter. So check her out. JaneSibri.com, I think, is her email or it's her website. Um, she's got She's been recording forever, and she's recorded with a lot of people. She's one of those amazing people and she's been on the podcast i think she may have been going by the name isa back then if i remember i'll put a link to it in the um and the website because i don't think it's still in the feed it's one of those old it's it's up on my website but i don't think it shows up in itunes yay or any of the other places oh my god itunes is officially gone i have to stop saying that okay so i hope you guys enjoyed this interview this podcast hope you have a happy holiday stay tuned patrons for um a couple of bonus episodes coming your way after i recorded that first part i realized um there are even more than i thought that i need to start knocking out so get ready for some bonus podcast patrons if you're not already a patron go to patreon.com slash michael heron you can subscribe for as little as two dollars a month um you get all kinds of stuff bonus podcasts even two dollar people get a digital copy of my zine uh the latest one is called three winters it's too late to get the special edition of it but if you want the regular edition you can subscribe uh five bucks two dollars and signing up gets you immediate access to download all my music uh all the zines are up there there's five of them now yeah you gotta do this patreon.com slash michael heron be a part of this thing that i do and i'll talk to you later Thanks for listening.